All right, so prayer has become a very important feature of my spiritual formation, my spiritual growth, um, especially over these past uh, five years. It's been a real, it's been a real journey for me. Um, life, life can be hard. Earth is fun, but Earth is challenging. Amen, anybody? <laughs> and sometimes you get to a point. Um, if you're like me, I've I really immerse myself in my spiritual studies. Um, so I have a seminary degree. And um, before seminary school, I was deep, deep, deep just studying metaphysical stuff. So it can be sometimes disillusionment, disillusioning and disheartening when you have studied so much, grabbed so many techniques, so much stuff, and your life still feels very shitty. You know, It's like, well, good gracious, what was that all for? And what I realize is that it comes down to no matter how much I, no matter what techniques I learn, no matter what I read and study, it comes down to just the most saving grace in my life has been my prayer. And it's this sense of like, oh, you know, I've, there's been moments where I've been in, in the depth of despair, looking at all my books, right? And trying to think of what technique should I do now? Should I do tapping? Should I do EFT? Should I do some deep breathing? And then it's like, no, all I really have is just a simple prayer. And that prayer has sustained me and, and guided me through some of the most challenging moments. And for me, the definition of prayer really simple is just an attitude of readjusting um, your drive or your desire, your ego in alignment with your higher power. And most of the time, most of our suffering, most of our pain or most of our emotional dis-ease or mental agitation, is, it comes because we're in some form of resistance to what is. And so prayer is a beautiful technique and tool of continually to change your attitude. Words are very, very non-important when it comes to prayer. Words are just auto-suggestive for your body, for your mind. Um, or if you're in a group ses setting, words are just a socio-suggestive technique to get everybody on the same accord. But it's the point of prayer is to change your attitude towards what's happening in your life. And by changing your attitude, it gives your body a sense of relax and surrender, and now the universe can just do what it needs to do to take care of you and support you. And being supported by the universe feeling that the universe is friendly and supportive to us is the hardest thing that we are faced with on this earth. Um, early, early, early on the planet, when trouble came through nature, it was the first reaction when something, some horrific cataclysmic event happened, our early, early, early human ancestors would feel like God is punishing them, all right? Uh, and so it became, well, what do we need to do? Let's sacrifice somebody. <laughs> Let's sacrifice somebody that the gods would want. Okay, well, who would the gods want? Well, they would want whatever we, whatever we want. They would want the most innocent, pure woman. Uh, we, they would want the best, the first chosen son. So it's always been this idea in the back of our human consciousness that there is some powers at work that are punishing us and even in your own life today, how many times when you are in that depth of despair do you say, am I doing something wrong? <laughs> and you look up and say, what am I doing wrong? Like, why am I being punished? 
And one of the hardest, hardest things to grasp in our third density and in our in our human consciousness is that despite the hardships, despite, despite all of the BS, that the universe is friendly, supportive, and loving towards us. It's easy to remember that when you're feeling blessed, right? When you get your blessings and things are going and love is good and money is good and home is good, it's like, oh, the universe loves me. I'm so loved and supported. But when that bullshit gets thrown at you, no one is, now it's all like, what have I done wrong? Why are you punishing me? What am I supposed to be learning? What is wrong? Um, and so what I realize is in those moments, in those moments of the bullshit, when it's happening all around you, if, you, if in those moments, if you can remember to have that faith that the universe is friendly and supportive to me. And that is what the prayer does. Prayer changes and shifts your attitude daily, momentarily, however often you employ it, with the idea of keeping your attitude that the universe is friendly and supportive to you. And that attitude is going to begin to have a trickle-down effect into all areas in your body, your glands, your chakra centers, and it is going to be able to create a, it's going to be able to respond in a positive way to the law of attraction. And I don't even have to teach the law of attraction because everyone knows the law of attraction. Probably some of you know it better than I do. But the idea being that if you're in this state and deep ingrained in this idea that the universe is friendly to you and supportive to you, well, the law of attraction is going to respond to you just that. And you can allow whatever contrary things are happening in your life that may give you a contrary impression. No, the universe is not friendly to me. Look what happened. I lost my love. I lost my job. I don't have money. You can say, no, I can just can hold the truth. The universe is friendly to me. I don't know what this is, but this is not real. The fact that I lost my love, this cannot be real. I'm going to hold to the truth. The universe is friendly and supportive to me. And then we get to experience what we all heard, this too shall pass. But what happens is most of us, when we get that bullshit moment and we focus on it, and the law of attraction is usually not our friend. I always have this joke and says, when, this, when I really understood and started grasping the law of attraction, I said, you know what? Rhonda Burns was right. This is the creator of the secret DVD. I said, the law of attraction is the secret. It's the secret to my pain. Because it's not the secret to my success. It's just all it did was reveal to me, this is why you're having such miser misery, right? Because just learning the law of attraction does not change. All it does is reveal to you, oh, this is why you're attracting what you're attracting. Okay, I want to stop attracting this. <laughs> all right, I want to stop creating more pain in my life. And so that's not going to be able to happen until you change your attitude. And prayer is one of those techniques that you can do to help change your attitude. And then you can find the law of attraction won't be the secret to your pain anymore, but you can actually enjoy the law of attraction as a beautiful, God-giving, machine-operated control law that is going to respond to exactly to match your attitude. And so um, I've created a prayer formula that is borrowed from many sources, so it's not really so much my creation as much as it is a synthesis of different information. But I want to start the talk off with just uh, re to illustrate, give an illustration and analogy that really, for me, helped me to kind of better understand 
what it means when it comes to alignment and trusting the universe no matter what. And this may sound, this may be a redundant story for most of you all, so I'm gonna take a survey really quick. How many of us, how many in here are familiar with the story of the river creatures? Ooh, nobody, good. <laughs> well, maybe if I tell the story, you'll hear it. So there is this, there's this story about these river creatures, um, and they lived at the bottom of this crystal clear river. And these river creatures, um, they were what you can call Klingons or whatever. They had these suction cups at the end of their fingertips and finger hands. And so at the bottom of this river, they spent most of their life and most of their existence just clinging from rock to rock. And that's how they existed. They had, they had these suction, like, cups, suction cups type of feet and hands, and they would just cling and cling to rocks, and that's how they survived. And they were taught... And it was in their tradition and taught by experience and by observation, do not trust the current of the river. And if they were to ever get caught not gripping to the rocks and gripping to the bottom of the riverbed, they would get caught up in that river current and that would be the end of their existence. Well, one day this river creature says, this is boring. I don't want to live like this anymore. And he says, and I've been observing the river current, and I believe that above us that river current is actually friendly. And I believe that we should trust it and just allow it to support us. And the other river creature says, well, you may be bored and you may feel like you're gonna die of boredom, but if you let go of these rocks, you will die quicker than you will from boredom, because that river current will kill you. And so, uh, maybe a few days pass, and the other this, this river creature this, with this discontentment said, you know what, I would rather die trying than to continue to live this miserable existence at the bottom of this river. Because he could look up and he could see life happening. He could see other fishes and creatures and things. So he decided, I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go and trust this river current. And he let go. And when he let go he did get a little bruised, right? He was unexpectedly, the river current was more powerful than he expected, and it did kind of knock him down and brush him, but he said, you know what, I'm, a, I'm gonna continue to let go. I'm not gonna cling. And so maybe he got a little fruit, a few bumps and bruises from a little twigs and sticks, but he continued to float up. And as he floated up, it got more, there was less and less obstacles in the river. And as he floated up, he realized, oh wow, this feels great. And he found himself in that river current, and he was able to twirl and spin and float and, and, and swim. And he was like, oh my gosh, this is the life I wanted to live. This is real. So he screamed back down, let go, let go to the other river creatures. But they looked at him like, no, they couldn't understand what was happening. And the current took him very fast. And so then he went over as he was just enjoying this river current. If you could just imagine him just living life in this river current. Well, he came across another village of river creatures that he had never seen before. They had never seen him before. And he looked down and they all are stopping, looking like, wait, is this possible? Is this a real one of us floating in the river current? And they all stop and he says, let go, let go. And he's trying to preach to them and yell from below, from up, up, up in his floating in his ecstasy, and the, they are all discussing amongst themselves, should we let go? Should we trust? Is this real? And the elders come out and they say, hey, the elder river creatures say, no, we cannot let go. He cannot be like one of us. He must just look like one of us, but surely he cannot be one of us. 
And so instead of trusting that river creature to let go and get in that river current flow, they just made a legend out of him and began to just honor and worship the river creature that floated by. But they themselves, that particular village, never ever let go and trust it. And so that parable and the analogy always spoke deep to me about the idea of all the saints, sages, wise men, Christ-like figures on this planet that have came to us and trust and told us over and over again, trust, surrender, and let go. While we are still clinging and holding on to dear life, to that, those things that are keeping us miserable and stuck here on earth, right? And those are just our ego. Those are just this idea of materialism. And this idea of we must fight, we must cling, we must do all this doggy dog, horrible stuff in order to survive instead of just let go, surrender, and trust that the universe is friendly and supportive. And if we just align ourselves in the flow, it will reveal to us and take us to all of our heart's desires. We will get to live truly an abundant life if we just let go and trust that the universe is going to honor our desires, honor our design, and give us a life that we can't imagine. How many people in here can testify today that when you look back and reflect on the greatest experiences of your life, right? The greatest experiences, the greatest relationships, some of the most amazing people that you've met, friendships, jobs, Think about it as you reflect, some of those most amazing experiences, relationship places came and they weren't even things that you thought you even wanted. Who can testify to that, right? There are places that you didn't even want to, my best experience in, so far was my trip to South Africa that I resisted going to. When I was first uh, told I'm gonna be doing a mission trip in South Africa, part of a, a campus ministry, I resisted it so hard. I didn't think I could enjoy that trip at all. And it was kind of like, well, you signed up to be a missionary. You got to go to South Africa. But I remember just feeling like, this, this is not what I wanted. This, this can't bring me joy and happiness when I first was found out about it. And that trip became one of the most defining, most delicious, most memorable, beautiful experiences of my life that I did not know. And so there's a part of us that truly, truly does not know all the things that can bring us joy. Right? How many of you found best friends or partnerships or just your, your group circles that your mind, your ego mind says, I would never want to hang out with that person. Or, I don't like that person. And then years later, you become best friends with them. Right. And you're like, wow, if it was just left up to me, I would have never befriended them. And so the universe knows deep, deep, deep about our design, deep, deep, deep down about our desires, things that we will not even know and believe we want or will enjoy. But yet we're out here busy trying to go after something that really we really don't want, only to invest all this energy and time just to come back and realize, I didn't want that. If we would have just surrendered and let go and let the universe lead us and trust us, we will find out that the universe truly will give us the desires of our heart. And we truly are able to live truly an abundant life. And that is only possible as we surrender day by day, moment by moment, and one of the best techniques and tools for attitude or readjustment of your attitude to surrender is prayer. Okay? Y'all all aboard or are you all bored? <laughs> all aboard. All right.
Well, let's begin this prayer. Let me tell you a little bit about this prayer. So it's originally is from Edgar Casey. Everybody's familiar with Edgar Casey. If you're not, you should Google him. He was a top psychic of the 20th century, one of the best. And he came up with uh, this, uh, well, he channeled or gave this inspiration for the um, Lord's Prayer taught by Jesus and how it aligns the seven, seven center chakras. Well, I've, I've kind of evolved or updated it or synthesized it with the nine center chakras, which I won't give a lot into right now. But if you ever study human design, if you have not studied human design, I would encourage you to Google and study that. But in the human design science of differentiation, um, there's a nine centers uh, of chakra centers, and that's what this hand sheet, and that's what we're going to be using our prayer today. And what we're going to do is basically, I'm just going to give a quick description of, brief description, because I don't want to be too redundant, because everyone knows about the chakra centers. Just a brief description about the chakra centers, uh, the human design centers, and then we're going to, I'm going to show you how, what Jesus taught his disciples um, and then how you can create your own words. Because again, words are not that important, but what's important is how you create some type of auto-suggestive uh, mechanism or mantra in your own body, in your own mind. So you have to be able to say the right words for yourself, the right words that have the right trigger, the right release. It's got to be very personal. In order for prayer to be effective, it must be extremely personal. Um, so this is a hybrid, a synthesis of human design, the chakra centers, also the Book of Urantia. Is anyone here familiar with the Book of Urantia? So the Book of Urantia is this extremely large <laughs> book um, that was uh, showed up on the earth in 1934, uh, origins unknown, authors unknown, uh, celestial cosmic beings. But it also gave a lot of in-depth information about prayer and about Jesus. Um, and one thing they stress in this book about prayer and about the teaching of Jesus is that Jesus was very adamant to his disciples. They need to have their own personal prayer, um, which, which was new and different, um, that everyone needs to have a personal prayer, their personal language to talk in their own voice to their higher power. But he did give this to them, this formula, after they pleaded with him please teach us to pray. Please teach us to pray. They saw him going out to pray over and over again. They wanted to know. So he kind of said, okay, I'll give you this prayer that he gave to his family when he was a teenager, according to the origins of the book of Urantia. And so what, um, what we learned is that this is, through Edgar Cayce, is that this is a kind of formula. Each line represents kind of, it touches on the key ideas, the key um, auto-suggestive themes that you need to have in order for you to release what you need to release. Okay, so y'all, let's get ready. Again, y'all all aboard? All right, let's do it. So let's, when it comes to prayer, it starts with your third eye center because the third eye center controls the flow of all the other, other centers, okay? So it's the third eye that you use to focus and concentrate on. All right. So when you when when this third eye is open or whatever it's focusing on, it controls the flow of your other chakra centers. So if you ever want to do any type of chakra work, chakra healing or chakra magic or alignment, it starts with the intentional focus of your third eye. All right. 
if when you're feeling like you have a bad energy on you, a bad, bad, any type of just negative vibe, it's the third eye that needs to be clear first. Because when the third eye is clear and you can see clear, you can have your focus, you can have your faith. Because if you just focus on the other centers, whatever this third eye is focusing on, it's just going to create those other centers to go right back to that state. Because if I can remove the energy around your root center or around the sacral center, that thought, if that thought is not changed, with only just a few weeks or a few days, that, in that negative energy is going to come right back because it's our thoughts that direct our flow. And those thoughts are led and directed starting here. So the first, the first word in your prayer or the first intention that you need is you want to acknowledge your relationship with your higher power. And when we say acknowledge your relationship is we all have been graced throughout our life with some sense of relationship understanding of how we see ourselves with the higher power. Um, this, was, this is shown and demonstrated very early. If you are familiar with the Christian Bible, the Judo-Christian Bible, you'll see they, they will have an experience. Let's take Jacob, for example, who was, the, who was the father of the Israel nation. Okay, he fought with God. And when he fought with God, he named that, he named, he was named Israel, which means to wrestle, struggle with God. And in these moments, through that relationship, that is how they would define the higher power. So you th see throughout all of the Old Testament, you get back and you'll see the name El Shaddai, um, El Elyon, and these all have a meaning. And that meaning for them is based on that relationship understanding. Jesus had this understanding of himself and his higher power as his father. It was for, his, for him and his mind, when he looked out, he only could see the higher power as his true father. If you cannot see the higher power as your father and you recite that word, our father, it may not have the great auto-suggestion moment for you, especially if you have negative connotations of fatherhood. Right? If you did not have a good experience with fatherhood or the idea of father and you say that word, it may not produce the same sense of reassurance, certainty, and security that it did for Jesus or for anyone else who had that great experience. So for you, it may be Mother Earth. It may be Mother Love. It may be Mother Creation. It may be the universe. It may be supreme intelligence. But something that you've experienced some relationship that you've had, that you've experienced, that you know for you, this is, this is when I felt supported by the universe. It felt like my best friend. It felt like a divine lover. It felt like there was some supreme force taking care of me. And whatever you can resonate, which is your truth, that is going to be the thing that's going to heal and align with you. So and for you, take a moment now, for those listening or for those here, just think of a word or relationship or a name of your relationship that you can relate to when it comes to your you and your higher power do you feel supported by some supreme force do you feel supported by some strong mother-like figure do you feel supported by something that loves you and i'm curious to get some answers and again you may not be able to do it right now in this moment but is there anybody right off that can that can identify and know this is how this is what my relationship is like with my higher power
that would like to share? Kirsten? Source of all. That's very beautiful. That's very beautiful. Very beautiful. The source of all. Anybody else? Divine intelligence. And that resonates with you. You can see it, right? You can see that relationship. You can feel it. Anybody else? Okay. Holy Spirit. Beautiful. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. So it's whatever resonates. Again, the words are important, but they're only important for you. So they have to be something that identifies a relationship that you have experienced. Okay? Um, if you think about an intimate relationship between two lovers, two lovers that really truly love each other, and they have these nicknames for each other, right? And you listen to love songs, and they say, my rock, my, my, my honey bun, my sweetie pie. I don't know whatever it is, but it's something that defines the relationship for them. That's the first thing that you want to acknowledge in your invocation is because what you're doing is you're setting the tone and reminding yourself of what that relationship is. And it's like you're setting this covering and you're setting this intention, this affirmation. Now, I will share my testimony really quickly here. For many years, I, I would fluctuate. Sometimes it would be source. I resonated with the source. I resonated with the supreme intelligence. I resonated very strongly with this idea of, of the one source where everything's come from. These are things I could see, I could feel. And one day I was in one of those moments where I was just really in despair. And I actually was, was trying to recite my prayer and I was calling on the universe, which I can resonate with. I can see that intelligence, but it did not, it did not feel comforting. When I called on it, when I used a, a term that was more impersonal, I felt like I was calling a, a customer service line and I was speaking to an operator. And you know how you get frustrated and you say, can, and, you just, and they're like, press one, press two. And it's, everything is automated. And you're like, can I just, I just want to speak to a human. I need to speak to a human. And I was saying this prayer and I was using a lot of impersonal um, concepts that define my relationship. But in this moment, I just felt like I don't want to trust them. <laughs> I, don't try to, I need something more real. And I was getting frustrated and just something deep within me, it actually called out daddy. And I thought, ooh, what, was, what is that, you know? And I was very shocked by it because I was just trying to struggle. I kept saying all phrases. I was like, the universe, supreme intelligence, like one source, love. I was just calling and then something in me said daddy. And I thought, oh gosh, am I now believing in the maternal fatherhood of God? I don't know what it was, but it did comfort me. And that what I needed in that moment, it comforted me. I felt in that moment when I said that line to address that, I felt I knew in that moment that I was going to be taken care of. I didn't know how. I didn't know what was going to follow. I just knew something about allowing that line to come up, affirming that relationship. I knew I would be taken care of, just like when I was a little boy and I would call on my father. You knew that once, once your father showed up, everything was going to be taken care of. And so that really re reaffirmed and reassured to me that it is all about what you need in that moment. And so prayer, another, what I'm getting to with that analogy is prayer is spontaneous. So it may be today, it may be 
the source. It may be this. But it needs to be something that defines what you need in that moment. Right? If you need love, you want to call the love of all, the lover of all. If you need abundance, you may want to refer to the one source of all. But it's spontaneous, but it's got to be something that you feel resonates with you and define that relationship. That all makes sense. Any questions before we move on? Okay. And we'll take some more questions at the end. So if you do have any questions, just jot them down and we'll address them as we get there. Okay. So then um, we move down into, we move up, we go back to the head center. So we start with the third eye, but the third eye is just our focus. And now the first thing we're using that focus is to once again, draw even more so information about your higher power. What is your rush, what is, what do you feel like is the identity of your higher power, okay? If it is the Holy Spirit, if it is the, um, the source of all, Okay, well, what for you, what is the highest known truth that you know about the one source of the Holy Spirit? Is it that it comforts you? Is this your highest truth? And when I say highest truth, again, it's got to be the highest truth that you've experienced. The highest truth that you can experience is it got me out of trouble. That could be it, right? You just want to identify and affirm what is, who pays my bill. Sometimes I'm just like the one source who make sure I keep my sprint bill paid. That is, that is a real truth for me, right? There's moments where I know it's only some higher power that has kept my bills paid. So for me, I reaffirm and I say, the one source that kept my, kept my rent, keeps my rent paid. That's my truth. What's your highest truth? And again, what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves, we're reminding ourselves and putting our attention added to the surrender of, oh, this is the source that, this is the being, this is the power that always comes through for me over and over and over and over again. And so beginning to remind ourselves of, oh, that's right. This is that source that takes care of all of my troubles, that heals all of my sicknesses. Or for Jesus, his formula was, this is indescribable. Jesus said, hallowed be thy name, meaning there's so much I can't, I can't even say it. I can't even, I can't even say or, or explain the highest concept of truth that he could grasp was, was out without words for him. It may not be that for us. Some of us may have had some mystical moments. Maybe some of us have had some really mystical experiences where we grasp this, the, 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 the vastness of deity, and it may be our experience. I ha I've known some people who've had some really amazing mystical experiences. Some of them were maybe induced by other sources, but, but, they've, but when they try to relate those experiences to you, you're like, whoa. And for them, it may be something where they say it's incomp incomprehensible. But for me, I just keep it practical and say, this is the person who pays my bills, right? This is the person who, who keeps me feeling comforted in my soul on cold, lonely nights. <laughs> All right? So it's making it personal for you, and it is what have you experienced? What's the truth that you experienced? All right? Y'all all aboard? Everyone moving through? And again, I would love for y'all to jot down some examples. Uh, yeah, anybody got an example of what is something that they have experienced that their higher power does for them, the highest truth that they see working in their life? Okay. All right. So then we move to the throat center. 
The throat center is a center for expression and manifestation. It's a portal to push through, push things into materialization. We materialize stuff or we express things or manifest things through this throat center. And here it is where most of our frustrations are going to come through. Because usually when we're suffering or we're experiencing any type of discontentment, especially in, in, in today's world, our ancestors were truly, 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 truly struggling for survival. Every day was like, will we survive this winter? Will we survive this heat? Will we find some food? Will we find some animals to hunt? Will our crops not wither? For us, our lifestyles today in this world, we still have a struggle, but ours is a struggle for status, you know? It's more so a struggle. We're not really, no one is really, really, really struggling for survival. We're just struggling for our status and our level of comfortability. Um, but it still feels like a struggle, <laughs> nonetheless. But none of us are really, really concerned about will we, when, when, the, when the winter hits, none of us are really concerned about will we get through this winter, right? How will we survive this winter? Will we have enough wood? Will we have enough food? It's more so... Will we not kill ourselves from boredom or something, something level of status? Um, but here, nowadays, so much of our stress, so much of our pressure or just dis-ease or uncomfort is we're not getting what we want fast enough, right? <laughs> we want something, we want it, we want it fast, it's not coming, or we want what somebody else got, or we want this, we want that. It's what we're trying to manifest and make happen. And so it causes us a lot of stress. It can cause us a lot of stress. But for those of us who have learned to surrender or who are learning to surrender, one of the most powerful things is this sense of falling back and saying, not my will, but thy will be done. Because what, what you're reaffirming to your higher power is, I know that you got this. I know that I know that I know that you have my best interest. You're friendly and supportive to my desires. So therefore, even though I want this thing that I'm not getting, even though I want this person who does not want me, even though I want this job so bad who's not responding to me, I'm going to let go, right? And I'm going to trust that your, your desire, your will, or your flow is going to be actually the thing for me. So let me fall back. And so this is a very powerful, powerful center because it is most of our troubles, most of our conflict in our interpersonal relationships come from the fact that we want something that is not, we're not getting. All right? We're being compromised by some way. I'm studying um, in the human design, um, dealing with partnerships in different centers. And the founder of the human design was stressing in his partnership book I was reading that there are, there are points in your partnership that if you don't learn how to take an L, you will suffer throughout that relationship. Because there are certain things about your partner, certain things about whoever, and this is not just romantic partners, this could be your business partners, this could be your coworkers. If you don't just decide to just let that go and let them be that and realize you will not change that person, and realize that that is how they will operate, you will just make yourself suffer. Because we all have features about ourselves that we work, we have family members or relationship partners, and it's a part of us that's just kind of like, take it or leave it. This is who I am, right? And it's vain for another person to spend energy trying to change you. How many of you all can testify this idea of how horrible it is when someone's trying to change you, change who you are, and you know I'm not changing. I'm not gonna become something different. And so in that sense, it's like we do that to the universal flow. 
right? We are like determined. No, I'm going to get that thing. And the universe is like, I have something better. We have something better. Let this go. Please let this go. And we're like, no, no. And so, so much of our suffering, so much of the misery that's created in our lives comes from because we're not letting go and saying, okay, whatever you got for me, I'm going to trust this. I'm going to be thankful for this experience and I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to let it go and see and just trust that you have something friendly and supportive for me. The word of Jesus was not, not my will, um, but thy will be done. And sometimes mine is, I just use this sense of, I like to express a gratitude for whatever unpleasant situation I'm in. So if I am going through any type of form of misery, any type of form of heartbreak, I'll say, thank you, God, for this momentary pain of rejection. Thank you, God, for this momentary longing for freedom or whatever it may be. But what I'm doing is I'm surrendering and I'm accepting it because I trust, I'm learning to trust that somehow this is going to lead me to right where I need to be. Okay, but that throat center, again, is where you want to express some sense of surrender. And what you will feel when you do this, when you say that, is a release, like a relaxation of letting go. And how many of us can testify how many times have that person, that job, that situation showed up in our life when we have let go and not wanted it anymore, right? When you quit looking for it, when you decide, I'm just going let to let this go, here it comes, Right? The very thing that you're trying to manifest and make happen when you just let go and say, whatever, here it comes. And once again, it's very important for you to have some word, some phrase of surrender for this throat center. Okay? Moving right down to the um, spleen, the root center. And so the root center is where we get inspiration to take action and be assertive um, and align our focus and our drive. So Jesus' words was on earth as it is in heaven. And the idea here is to reconnect that we don't want to just be spiritual in our head, in our crown chakra, or our crown chakra and our third eye, but we want to bring that same sense of love and support and understanding into our actions on the earth. All right. So there's this tendency, especially among um, some, you can see it manif- you can see it expressed in the religious fundamental. This idea that God is, loves them and support them, but everybody else is evil, right? And so therefore, it's okay to, to kill or to undermine or to devalue the people on earth that don't love God, right? Because up in, up, up in, in their ideas, well, God loves me, God is our friend, but he's not a friend to these people or that people because they look like this or they do that. But this reminds us, as we're going to take action, as we are responding, as we're doing about our work, as we're going about getting about our day, as we're driving through traffic on 285 or on the connector, to remember to bring that same energy up here where we feel loved and support and nourished and taken care of, to bring that same thing to earth and to be that portal towards somebody else. Okay, so it's like if we feel love, if we are asking and reaffirming for our higher power to love and support us and be friendly to us, we got to remind ourselves to be friendly and supportive to the other people on earth. 
And so, and that comes from that root chakra, because in that root chakra, we all are driven. We're all like, hurry up and get out of the way. All of a sudden, we just lose it. You know, you look at people in traffic, and they can be sweet people. I know some really sweet people. I've got in the car with some sweet people. <laughs> and they say, I, I, mean, I remember back in the day when I was, I didn't have a car, and I was t taking rides, and we would leave a meeting, and people would be praying and be so beautiful and be so sweet. I said, you want a ride? Sure, I'll take a ride. And they're like, yeah, that was a good class, a good meeting. They're like, oh, get off my road, you asshole. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, what just happened? Oh, my God. How did, it, how did we just go from peace and love to now calling this person everything but a child of God? I mean, it, it can get really ugly. I mean, we've all witnessed this. And so this is where we want to reaffirm to ourselves that whatever we are asking the heavens or our higher power to give to us, we want to make sure that we're also bringing that through the earth into our day-to-day -day interactions and drives and ambitions. Because some of us get really strong ambitions, right? Really strong ambitions, really strong. We get, when we get committed and focused on what we want to get and when we get done, especially when we get that green light from the universe, right, to say, hey, this is yours, go get it. we like, get out of my way, here I come. But we want to remember, no, 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 let me bring that same love and energy on earth as I've experienced, as I have addressed it in heaven. So if you've called your universe loving, supportive, and you feel like, uh, it's a friendly universe that who loves you or whatever your higher power is, be that on the earth. And you're reminding yourself, I need to be that, be that here. And then we go to the spleen center. And this is the center of survival and self-preservation. And this is where we are truly asking and reaffirming that our needs, our daily basic needs are going to be met. In Jesus' words, he said, give us this day our daily bread. And this is just basically reaffirming that we will have the basic, the minimum needs met. That, that doesn't sound all that great sometimes to our generation of abundance and indulgence. But if we can just reaffirm every day to ourselves, the universe will make sure we have the minimum of what we need met. That can take a lot of stress. That can take a lot of stress out of your life. And it can help overcompensate with a lot of fear that you may be feeling and experiencing. Because that fear will drive you unconsciously. And at the end of all your fears, no matter what the fears may be, it's this sense of you won't be able to survive. And so if you can begin to comfort yourself with this reassurance that, you know what? I know that I know that I know my daily, my minimum needs will be met today. And if you want to be more, if you want to feel a little bit more assurance, you can say, I know my needs will be met for today and tomorrow. <laughs> All right. um, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage you to use words to go over to the next few weeks because that's going to bring in anxiety immediately. Right. Because your mind is going to start trying to think about next week and it's going to cause anxiousness. But if you can say, I know today my needs, the minimum I need will be met for today and tomorrow. Or sometimes I like to verbalize this. I know my needs for tomorrow will be met today. And that really comforts me. That makes me feel relaxed because I know whatever I'm going to need tomorrow will be provided for today. I'll have it today. And so that allows me to relax and let go of those fears. And those fears will kind of help drive us in, into ugly behavior. Um, sometimes, one time I used to say, for when I pray this for other people sometimes, and by the way, I didn't stress this earlier, but this prayer can be really powerful when you pray for other people. 
Because what you're doing is you're, when you spend time composing this prayer and put in, let's say you put in your best friend, your best friend name is Johnny. And you're like, Johnny's higher power who so loves him. Give him this day his daily bread. You're really reaffirming to the law of attraction that you are trusting yourself so much so that you are now making plea and requests for other people. Um, some, I've, I heard a, a wise man say the most powerful prayer is when you're praying for others. Because what that says is that you feel so supported. You feel so taken care of that you're now going to use your energy and your voice for the sake of another. And nothing can be more beautiful, nothing can be more of a testimony that you are grounded in the sense of I'm in abundance. It's like when you have more, you give more. And so if you can begin to say these prayers for other people, you'll experience a lot of power, abundance come back to you. Um, so sometimes I, I had a friend, and she would joke about different medications and medicines that she would need. She would call everything her medicine, food her medicine. She would call her wine her medicine. <laughs> and so I would say, uh, give give so-and-so give this day her daily meds, all right? Um, whatever those meds may be. And when she would read that in text, she said it would bring her a lot of comfort because she would know that, okay, whatever it is that I need for tomorrow, whatever my meds may need be, I will have them. So again, these are whatever words are going to be the auto-suggestive for your consciousness, for your mind, for your being. All right, then let's move to that sacral center where we get into a whole lot of other trouble at, all right? So that sacral center is where we have our center for all of our energy distribution and exchanges, okay? Here is where the temptation is to not live up to what we've been giving a certain amount of energy for. So all of us have been giving energy, right, to, contri to contribute to the betterment of the planet. We've all been given a level of energy as in a form of money. So the universe has given us, if you think of energy and money simultaneously, every day we are giving a, a, a per diem of energy to get something beautiful done on the planet, right? To do something for somebody or to do something for the universe. It's about getting, doing our work, living out our purpose. And so here, Jesus said, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. So this isn't so much for me thinking about in terms of sin or think about in even in terms of error in the, in the sense that we've offended the higher power, as much as we have not used wisely our energy. We have not spent wisely what we were given energy for. So therefore, we've incurred some debt, all right? We've been giving all of this energy to get something done, but we have not acted on it. And what it stores or creates in us is all of us, there's a universal phenomena that we all can relate to of regret that we did not do something yesterday, last week, last year, with the best use of our time. Who can relate? Let me see if we have anybody who can relate, right? You all, we all have this, this sense of, I did not use my energy wisely, right? I was given this opportunity and I squandered it. I could have done this, I could have been doing this. You look back last year and you're like, gosh, I really could have did this, I really could have did that. And by doing that, that regret and that guilt starts to kick, kick in. We feel guilty for how we've been using our energy. And then the more you read and the more you study, the more guilt happens. Because you start reading about all these people who were doing stuff with, this, with the same amount of energy you had. And you're like, I could have done that. I could have started that clothing line. I could have did that. And so as we evolve and as we continue to grow and study and our awareness evolves, we're going to be tempted to feel guilty, right? Because you're going to learn 
how you were in, you think at moments of your life you were limited. But one thing is as you get older, you realize, I really wasn't as limited as I thought I was in high school. Actually, because you hear a story of how somebody grew up in the same limitations you grew up in, but yet they made, use, they made good use of their energy. And immediately you feel guilty. Like, well, damn, I could have been starting my own franchise. Oh, I could have been better, making better choices my credit to open up my own um, practice or whatever. And so this is not, that phenomenon is not going to stop. As you get older and older and older, you're going to hear stories of people who worked out their relationship issues. You're going to see people who made lemons out of lemonade. And the reaction, the first reaction is going to be a sense of guilt, a sense of, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I make that use? And so it's not to dismiss it or to lie to yourself and say, no, well, they couldn't have done, they, if they would have been in my shoes, but to say, you know what, I did not know any better. That I was only doing what I was doing. And so this is a sense of we're asking for our own forgiveness. The fact that acknowledging we did not, I did not make the best use of my energy in college. I did not make the best use of my energy last week. Okay? And so now I'm going to say, I'm going to ask for that sense of clearing. Give me a second chance, right? I'm not going to, I'm going to admit and acknowledge I wasn't making the best use. And then we can see how other people use their energy disadvantageously towards us, right? There was somebody trying to force us to be something that they weren't, right? There was somebody in traffic using all of their energy to make me feel less than a child of God because I was driving a little slow. I was thinking about this Sunday school class or whatever I was thinking about, and maybe I didn't turn in the lane, and now they're cursing me out. And if you've ever witnessed somebody just cursing you out and you're just looking like, wow, all that energy you're wasting, <laughs> like, I'm so unbothered. Right, golly, I feel so sorry. You just, you just, you just wasted half your work day, and I'm unbothered. And so, all the energy that you can feel like has been sent towards you, you can forgive those people for that wasted energy. And this is a sense of giving release to yourself and release to others. And this is constantly keeping yourself cleansed from the bitterness, from guilt, from anger that gets stored a lot in that sacral center. All right, because what, what will happen is if you don't forgive yourself and if you don't forgive other people, you get obsessive. And the very thing that you're saying, oh, I wish I would have had more energy to do X, Y, and Z. Now all that energy is just going to obsessing over the person who offended you or obsess, obsessing over what you should have not done. Right. Once I realized, man, I messed up. I now want to just sit and, and see how it could have went. You know, I could have done that. And then it's like, I can't stop doing it. And then it's like, all the way back 10 years, 20 years, I should have, I went to the wrong college. <laughs> and this is all just wasting energy, right? So as soon as I say, you know what, I just acknowledged that wasn't the best use of my energy, help me moving forward, whatever that line may be. Okay? And then we get to the solar plexus. This is the center for our emotions. Desires, I don't have to say a lot here. Y'all get how emotions and desire drives us. You know, when we get a feeling, when we get a feeling and we get desire. So the line here that Jesus taught was lead us not into temptation, with the idea being that those emotions and those desires, they drive us so strongly. So you want to acknowledge something to say, don't let my emotions get the best of me. It can be as simple as that. But what you're acknowledging is that the power of those emotions and those moves and those feelings, we're human. They will, they will take over us. And there are moments where we act out of those feelings. And so this is this idea of knowing we are going to act out of those feelings at some point in our life. So please protect us. And then we do act out of those feelings in our heart center. 
that ego takes over, and then we got to say, deliver us from evil. Because once you get in your feelings, the ego takes over, now you're in this vortex, right? And now you got a person shaking you saying, don't think like that, and you like, get off of me. You know what I'm saying? Because once you get caught up in that zone of thinking evil, thinking small, thinking revenge, thinking that this person is out to get you, and then you, you verbalize it, and you know what? I thought, now that I realize, that's why so-and-so did that. That's why so-and-so did, did that. And now you can see this whole ugly picture of how someone is out to attack you, and now you've grasped in just an evil consciousness. So this is why we got to acknowledge this sense uh, and deliver us from any potential evil. And when you think about evil, when I use that word evil, just think of um, your backwards thinking. Thinking that someone is out to get you. Thinking that the universe is not supportive to you. And then finally, we end with, in the human design system, the G-Center. The G-Center is our sense of direction and purpose. And so now we remind ourselves that it is all about our higher power. So Jesus reaffirmed these words, you are the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So what you want to end with is this sense of reaffirming your purpose, this, your purpose being purpose-centered, like why are you here on this planet? And then you also want to reaffirm the direction of the divine providence. What is this all for? And then it, you want to end with this idea, something that lists your eternal destiny. Because when you end with that eternal destiny, it begins to really put an auto-suggestive idea in your mind that this little earth, this little life we're living that we're so stressed about, that we're so angry about, when you end with that idea that there's this eternal destiny, you're like, oh, oh, I, why am I even worried about today? Why am I even worried about this little life? There's so much more left to come. And following this formula in your own words will begin to, as you practice it, you'll immediately begin to feel a sense of release. And I really would encourage you to take time for the new year to go back through this based on the prompts and understandings I've given you and put your own words in there. Put your own words in there and change it up. Don't, don't become like, uh, uh, you know, don't become loyal to just one way to do it, but let it be spontaneous. Maybe you want to have a different prayer every different week, but using the same formula. I also encourage you to find a way to fill in other people's names. And you'll be, you'll be, you'll be just amazed at how quickly prayer can change things in the attitudes of others and in yourself to help really maximize the law of attraction. Thank you all. So I think that's it for live. Um, any questions or answers? Three minutes of questions and answers. I went through that pretty fast, and there was a lot of information. Yeah, I'll, um, let me read you one that I wrote for... Uh, 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 the, the question is, any examples of how to close with the G-Center? All right, so I'll give you, I'll read, a, I'll read a whole prayer that I wrote for, um, uh, I have so many prayers in here. <laughs> um, okay. Who name can I use? Who, let's pray for Kirsten. <laughs> okay. So, 
Um, here's, we'll put Kirsten's name in here, okay? Great spirit, central force of the universe, who brings Kirsten her joy. Let this prayer bring her relief and release as she reads it. Integrate her being. Bring balance and beauty to her life, both within and without. Give her today her critical needs for tomorrow. Make allowance for her error as she makes allowance for the error done against her. Keep her safe in grace from all her mistakes and heal any of her hurts. Let her confidence come from the trust of your provisions and the assurance of your support for her peace and progress both today and always and even after earth. Amen. Did that kind of give you a good idea? Amen, Kirsten. Any any other question? Okay. Okay, that's a good question. If you want to, you can focus on the G Center right over here on your right side. I mean, for the spleen, for the spleen. Where the spleen is in the body. If you want to Google it, someone Google the spleen and actually where actual spleen is. Uh, and for the G center, it's right here in your chest. Right here, where, where, we, where the classical heart chakra is. Yeah. Over here where the heart is, where the actual organ. Yep, actually, absolutely. And the, in the nine center, they're more, yeah, it's where the, the spleen is where the spleen is, the heart is where the heart is. And the G center is more so right in the center of your chest. And that's where you would end at. Oh, you, can, you can even say the whole prayer from that if you want to kind of like put your left hand here and then direct your focus and go through and end there. Any other questions? Well, this has been my pleasure. Thank y'all for sharing y'all Sunday. I know there was a lot of information. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it gave you a little sample of just an idea. I'm here on Tuesdays now. I'll be here reading in the room from Tuesdays, Tuesdays from 4 to 9, if you want to come by and get a reading with me. And um, I have some business cards I can pass out as well. You can get more, more information about my website. Thank you all, and here's Kirsten. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.